Stand with me, turn to Psalm 67, and as you can see, you can find it on uh, the bottom of page 329 on the Pew Bibles, as Pastor Bruce continues his series, Stand in the Gap, with a message entitled, Blessed. Again, we'll be reading Psalm 67. God, be merciful to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase, God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Let's pray. God, we pray this morning that as Pastor Bruce brings your word to us this morning, that our hearts would be open. God, that we would be uh, listening minds, listening ears, Lord, that uh, you would just show us, Lord, how when we're blessed, God, that it is uh, not for our sake, but God, it is to, uh, uh, to bless others and it is to do your will and it is to see your mission done on this earth. Let me just ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today we're going to conclude our, our January worship series that we've been in during this month. Worship series, we've been calling simply Stand in the Gap, uh, which is kind of going to be our theme for this year of 215. And uh, this really comes out of the reality uh, that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that our church has some gaps that we need to fill, gaps that we strive to fulfill our mission of making passionate Christ followers who, who know Christ and who are growing in Christ, and who show Christ, and who go with Christ. That, that's our mission as a church here at Glenwood. You see it up on this uh, poster or banner up front here. It's always in the bulletin. We always want to put that out in front of you as a reminder of what Glenwood is about, what we are about as Christ followers here at Glenwood. Uh, our goal, our mission is to help people to become Christ followers, make Christ followers, Jesus said it this way, make disciples, which is the same thing. Disciple is a Christ follower, and we kind of define that as a Christ follower is one who knows Christ, grows in Christ, shows Christ, and goes in Christ. But we have some gaps as we strive to fulfill that. I mentioned this the last two Sundays. For those of you who haven't been here, let me just kind of highlight those gaps again. Uh, we have a gap in our general budget. Uh, I mentioned our giving in two. Last year in 2014 was down about 3.5%, not a lot, but uh, and so I'm not, we're not panicked over it, but we are concerned. We don't want that to continue to be the trend, and uh, which for our budget was a down about $10,000 uh, over the previous two or three years. Uh, we even have a gap here a little bit in our worship service attendance uh, this last year. We were down in our, just our average attendance in the worship service about 3%. Our discovery hour attendance really held steady, and uh, it, it has held steady for the last uh, two years, three years. In fact, just slight, slight increase, which is a positive thing, positive sign. Uh, we're always trying to encourage people to come to our discovery hour. We feel it's important. We feel that's a place where we can grow in Christ. We can achieve and fulfill one of our goals as a church. Uh, and I mentioned last Sunday, you know, in my opinion, we have a gap here in this auditorium. Uh, the physical building, that is. Uh, you may not know it or realize it or agree with it, but we, it's dated. 
Yes. How many would say our auditorium is dated? It's still nice. It's still comfortable in here. The pews still work. They're comfortable to sit in. But it's just dated. This was remodeled in 1985. We've had some minor revisions, but it needs an update. Uh, it's just dated. And so uh, we have a gap here. Uh, I mentioned last thing we, even, we have a gap in our church name, Glenwood. And if you say that to somebody who is not a part of our church family, they're like, Glenwood, what's that? Where's that? It, it has no missional meaning. It has no attractional meaning. And so for the last few years, I've put this out before us that I would like to propose that we change the name of our church. In fact, Zach and Sarah want to change the name of the youth group. Right now, it's Youthquake. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, that's what we picked. And, of course, that was 20 years ago. It's time to update that name. And so Zach's like, can we please do that, Bruce? I'm like, go for it. Pick a name. Choose a name. I don't care what it is. Update the youth group name. And uh, so they're, they're working towards that. Uh, we have a gap, as we mentioned, even in our corporate prayer life. And that's why we are, we are doing this 40 days of prayer, to close that gap, to fill that gap. And, and also we want to do uh, these four quarterly, if you will, uh, ignite praise and prayer times or events in our church family as well. In fact, the first one is tonight. I encourage you to come tonight at 5 p.m. down the multipurpose room. Uh, where we will participate in our very first Ignite uh, praise and prayer time. be an hour long. That's it. 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Also during that time, uh, the budgets will be presented, and uh, the budgets were approved by our leadership council. They were pre uh, prepared by our finance team, and now they'll be presented to you as a church congregation uh, tonight during that time, both the general budget and our missions budget. So if you're interested in that, come tonight. You'll hear about that. Uh, next Sunday, they'll be available on the back table uh, for you, for those of you that just want to pick up a copy and go through it. And please understand, uh, if you have any questions throughout the year about our church finances, please, please don't hesitate to, to ask. Come to me, uh, one of our finance team members, and please ask any question. Uh, we want our finances to be open to each and every member here in our church, whether that concerns the missions side of it or our general budget. Um, and so, and we also talked about that perhaps as a church family, we maybe have gotten a little complacent. We have a, you know, a, just a gap in the, our passion as Christ followers, our passion to live out the mission that God has given to us, the purpose that God has given to us. And so I presented that, you know, we're challenged then by God's response in Ezekiel 22:30, which has kind of been our theme verse. You'll notice it here again in your notes coming up on the screen where God says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. And that is our challenge for 215 as a church. And that is to stand in the gap before God on behalf of our community and beyond. Now, before we move on, uh, I want to acknowledge some of the blessings of God this last year. Because I understand and I realize, I know I've been talking about the gaps in our church, so last couple of Sundays and even just a minute ago here. So let me just acknowledge, let me share just a few of the blessings of God in our church. Even though our giving was down $10,000 last year, we ended the year, I say only, I never like ending the year in the red, but we did end the year in the red of about $1,500. Um, which is pretty good because about Jan uh, June when we got the financial numbers, we were way more in the red than that. And so that's when, uh, as a finance team and in the office, we really made a concerted effort 
to put some spending cuts on and just manage that budget uh, very, very tight and close and to where now we ended the year only $1,500 in the red. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about that. Again, I don't ever like ending the year in the red, but $1,500 is not too bad when your budget was down 3.5%. So I give praise to God for that and to you who gave regularly and faithfully over the course of 215. We also gave, listen to this, another praise, over $92,000 uh, to missions as a whole, and we raised over $18,000 uh, for the Mark, for the Makande Bible Translation Project. Amen. Amen, right? Now again, that's on top of our general giving, our tithes and offerings. That's above and beyond in our missions giving and in this uh, special project giving uh, for the Bible translation. $18,000 marked for the Makande. And out of our missions giving then, uh, we gave $3,500 to help two church plants here in the state of Missouri. Uh, one was uh, here in Independence, uh, who launched a church plant just a year ago this time, and they're doing really, really well. In fact, their church plant is on, on the square there in Independence. And then we uh, gave some money to help a church plant in uh, O'Fallon, Missouri, which is a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. We also gave $1,500 to Corey O'Grady and Scott Marsh for language school in Amsterdam, which is always an exciting thing to learn a new language. Don't ask me, I wouldn't know. I have trouble speaking my own language, English here. Uh, we gave $2,700 to Sharon Smith, which most of you are familiar with Sharon and Jim Smith. And uh, that money was given to her to, to send her, help her go to uh, teach seminar, uh, seminars to some ladies, both in England and in Tanzania. And, uh, and so that's just some of how our money was being utilized for special projects. And then here at Glenwood, uh, last year 13 people came to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. 13 uh, professed Christ. Five people identified with Christ in baptism, which is always a glorious thing when people want to take that next step uh, of obedience after, follow, after uh, being saved. Uh, nine people committed to join us here in membership at Glenwood. And so those are positive things. Those are blessings of God. Uh, you know, just to highlight, I mentioned this already, but our WANA ministry, Trek ministry, uh, really they're our main ministry that does primarily to, through the school year on reaching out into uh, this community, specifically to our church, and reaching kids for Christ. And I've just continued to do a, a great job year after year of, of reaching kids. And uh, many of these 13 people that came to Christ were kids through our Awana ministry. And so those of you that work in Awana ministry, give your time after a long day of work on Wednesday, and you come here Wednesday night and, and work with these kids. And if you're wondering, if it, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. And, uh, and they continue to do a good job. In fact, every year, our Wannis ministry also hosts uh, as an effort to connect with the parents and present the gospel to the parents and family members. In February, at the end of February, we host this a dinner, uh, this Awana family night. And we did that last year, last few years we have. And we always have a great turnout of about 100 people down in the multipurpose room for the dinner. And then we come up here and we have some type of entertainment attraction, uh, normally a magic show or something, a ventriloquist last year, and in that, the gospel is presented, and, and we're doing that again this year, and you're all invited, invite somebody, you come and be a part of it, whether you come to the dinner or just this, uh, in fact, it's a guy by the name of Steve Harney, Har Harney of Cool Kids Ministries, is that just, I love saying that name, that's a cool name, right, Cool Kids Ministries, 
and he will be here uh, doing some music and magic and presenting the gospel in that way. And so just a, a, a cool thing. We hosted our annual Easter extravaganza at Crestview, which we've done for several years now, where we always have a great turnout of the community. Over 500 people come and be a part of it. It's a way for us to serve the community. It's a way for us to, to be a presence in the community and just you know, invite the people to our Easter services, and also present the gospel to them. Uh, we, this last year we did Vacation Bible School where we ministered to about 50 kids, preschool through fifth grade uh, for three nights, and then we host a, you know, they, our, our big celebration Sunday where we invite the parents to come in. These are all positive things. These are all blessings of God as we try to reach out, as we try to take the gospel beyond just here in these four walls and take it to the community and beyond, and God has blessed us. Uh, and so, yes, we have some gaps as a church. There's no doubt about it. And our goal this year, my goal this year, is to address those gaps, to, to meet the needs in those gaps. And our challenge is to stand in the gap. But God has blessed us as a church and as individuals. Would you agree with that? Amen. And with this in mind, what I want us to do for the remainder of our time here this morning is I want us to see together... In this particular psalm that Kirk read for us, Psalm chapter 67, I want us to look at this psalm and see three things. I want us to see one truth, and then I want us to see one danger, and then we're going to end by looking at one question. So one truth, one danger, and one question. Are you ready? Let's look at it with me. Number one, one truth, and here's the truth. God blesses his people for a purpose beyond our personal good. Psalm 67 is considered a missional psalm. But don't let that block your thinking that it's only for missionaries or it's only for across the seas. This psalm is for us here at Glenwood. The reason it's considered a missional psalm is because of the emphasis it places on God being known and being praised and being feared by all peoples all over the earth, even here at Glenwood and in this community and where you live. In fact, this psalm emphasizes the worship of God being spread to all nations more than any other psalm. And yet this psalm has a very personal dimension to it. The writer of this psalm begins the psalm by asking for God's blessings. And then he ends it in anticipation of God's blessings. And so the idea that I want to impress upon you is that the writer's personal desire for God's blessings and his praise for all peoples is not in conflict with each other. In fact, those two desires are in harmony with one another. And I want to show you that. Yes, the psalmist wanted to be blessed. In fact, who here doesn't want to be blessed by God? I have yet to meet anybody that doesn't want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed by God, and this psalmist does too. But more than that, he wanted to be a channel of God's blessings, not just a terminal. He wanted to be a river of God's blessings, not just a reservoir. He wanted to be a pipeline of God's blessings to others, not a faucet into his own house. In other words, he wanted to be blessed so that he could be a blessing. And so I want to submit to us that this is how God 
desires to operate in and through our lives as individuals and also in our church. God blesses His people for the purpose that goes way beyond just our personal good. Let's unpack that truth, this one truth. In verse 1, look what it says. He says, God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. Now there's a pause after that in the text. You may have noticed it in your Bibles. It says, Selah. That is basically a musical term that signifies some kind of pause, as if to say, okay, don't move on from what you just read too quickly. Just let that soak in. What you just read, let it soak into your heart. Meditate on it. And so let's do that. Let this petition of God's blessing, let it soak in for a moment. But what does it mean? Well, this petition is based upon a, a high priestly blessing that you find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And what would happen is people, in this case it was the God's people, the, the, the children of Israel, they would go to the priest and the priest would bless them. And he would say something like this to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. The point of that priestly blessing was to remind Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, that they were God's blessed people. That's why it goes on to say, in the very next verse, in number 6, verse 27, so they will put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. And if you have received Jesus Christ here as your Savior and Lord, you know what? You have already been blessed by God as well. You are blessed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul writes, Blessed by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just think how blessed we truly are. In Christ, we are God's blessed people. And through Christ, we have access to the blessing of God in our lives. But this blessing here in verse 1, listen to me, it's incomplete. It's not, may God be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us and then stop and just move on to something else. No, the thought is incomplete. Yes, we pause and we med meditate on God's blessing and we pray for His blessing, but the thought is incomplete. And so we pause and think about it, but we keep going to verse 2. In fact, the most important word in the whole psalm here is the very first word in verse 2. Look at it. It's the word, at least in the New King James Version, it is the word that. That's the most important word in the whole psalm, the word that. And you're like, I didn't realize the word that could be that important. Well, in this case, it is most very important. In fact, that little word that 
It's the link between verse 1 and verse 2. In fact, you could even say it is the link between verse 1 and the rest of the psalm. So there's a purpose behind God's blessing. And that's the one truth that I want to impress upon you. God blesses His people for a purpose beyond my personal good. He blesses His people, get this, for the sake of all peoples. This is God's purpose throughout history. This was the truth that God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12, 12 through 3, where he says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It was a truth that prophet Isaiah continued in Isaiah 49, 6, when it says, I will give you that is Israel, as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. We see the same truth in the New Testament. Jesus comes. Jesus preaches redemption. He purchases redemption with His death on the cross. And then He says in the verse, that famous verse, the Great Commission verse, Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore make disciples of all nations. We see this with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1, 15-16, where Paul says that he was called by God's grace and that God revealed Christ to him in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. And so you see this throughout all history. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. We're blessed for a purpose. In fact, specifically in this psalm, we find three purposes here. Notice this, first of all, number one, God blesses you so that all peoples may know Him. God blesses you so that all peoples may know Him. Look what it says in verse 2. That, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. The implication is that people will not and cannot know God and His salvation just naturally or automatically. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, let me tell you, they ate us out of house and home. And, and, and we're still suffering the consequences of that. In fact, now, in our own sin, it has shut us out of the way to God, the way to truth, and the way of righteousness, the way of forgiveness, and the way to heaven. That's the bad news. But the good news is that there is a way back to God the Father. And God wants us wants to use us to show lost people the way home to God. God wants to use us to get the message out that the only way back to God is through Jesus Christ. This is why God blesses us, so that all peoples may know Him. It's why our very first purpose here in our mission as a church is for people to know Christ. Because if people don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, then they are hopeless and helpless for all eternity. Do you know Christ? Have you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Second, God blesses you so that all peoples may praise Him. When people know God for who He is, people will praise God for what He is worth. And so God aims to be known among all peoples, but that's not all. God aims to be praised by all peoples or worshipped by all peoples. 
In fact, this is the refrain of Psalm 67. It is recorded in verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And in case you don't get the point, he repeats the exact same thing in verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And so the psalmist here is showing us that the salvation of all peoples is a means to an infinitely greater end. That is the glory of God. We pray that all peoples may know God so that all peoples may worship God. In his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, pastor and author John Piper wrote this book and he, he has written extensively on this very subject. In fact, this psalm was his, a life-altering, changing psalm for him back in his early days. And in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, he writes, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. And we've quoted that here in our church several times before. This is the passion of the psalmist as well. He is convinced that God is worthy of the highest praise and it is expressed in his longing that all peoples would join him in praising God. Why is God worthy of our praise? Well, the answer is found in verse 4. Look at it. It says, Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And then he tells us why. For you, God, shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. You see, God is worthy of our highest praise because He is the righteous judge, and He is the sovereign King. And as the righteous judge, we can trust God to always, always, always do what is right. Now, that's not always easy, though, is it? I just got a text this morning from... A neighbor of mine, that well, he used to be my neighbor. They, this family lived next door to us when we moved into our house, oh my, 18 years ago. And they have one son. He was just a little kid when we moved in. He's now 20 years old. About a year ago, he had a small tumor on his pelvis. It turned out to be cancerous. And he, he was devastated, as you can imagine, he and his wife. I mean devastating, and you, and you hope for the best. We're going to go to KU Cancer Center, we're going to treat this, get chemo, radiation, and that's what they've been doing for the last year, and he just texted me this morning, it's bad, Bruce. Zach is in terrible pain, it is now spread all over his body. Will you pray for us? Zach, Jack, Zach is in crisis. I texted him back, absolutely, please, you know, call me later this afternoon so we can talk. And, and you're, you're like, sovereign, God's sovereign, and he's righteous judge. He does everything right all the time, and, and, and you're like, how is that right? I don't understand everything. But this is where you trust, this is where you have faith. That in the end, God makes all things right. He is the righteous judge. And he has made a way for us to be saved from his judgment in eternity. And that way is Jesus Christ. And as the sovereign king, God reigns in perfect authority over everything and everyone at all times. And we ought not to be turned off by this. We ought to rejoice and be glad to know that God has the whole world in his hands. 
Even when we watch the news or read it on the internet, and we're thinking, where is God now in the chaos world that we live in? Even in our own country, when it seems God is nowhere to be found, God has the whole world in his hands. He is the sovereign king. He is the righteous judge. Therefore, he is worthy to be praised by all peoples. Number three, God blesses you so that all peoples may fear him. Notice what it says in verses 6 through 7. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Now, what is the fear of God? Well, let me try to make this as simple as possible. I'm a pretty simple guy, okay? So here we go. Are you ready for me to define the fear of God? The fear of God is the fear of God. Listen, it's more than just reverence for God. It's more than just respect for God. That is included. But the fear of God, listen, there is a sense of trepidation of who God is as the righteous judge and the sovereign king. And so there is a healthy fear of God that goes beyond just reverence and awe and respect. But the good news of the fear of God is that if you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. Not even cancer. Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 118, 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is why God blesses us, so that all peoples may know him, may praise him, and fear him. As John Piper writes, and I quote him again, God is jealous to be known and enjoyed and feared, and he is displeased when people are ignorant of him, or bored around him, or unduly casual in his presence. And so God blesses his people. We are his people. He blesses us for a purpose beyond just our personal good. That's the one truth. And this one truth leads to one danger. Look at it with me. The one danger is this. We are prone to disconnect God's blessings in our lives from God's purpose for our lives. This is a danger we all need to be aware of. Let me say it again. We are prone to disconnect God's blessings in our lives from God's purpose for our lives. And it's a danger that applies to anyone and everyone who has received the blessing of God, the grace of God, most notably by bringing salvation to them. Listen, if God has opened up your eyes and your heart to see yourself as a sinner who is in need of the Savior, and God has granted you faith to confess Him as your Savior and Lord, you are blessed. It's a danger for every person who has experienced spiritual blessing from God, and all the more so for every person who has also experienced material blessing from God, which, by the way, would be all of us here this morning. In fact, here's a news flash. We, 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 we live in the top percent of the wealthiest people on the planet Earth regardless of what your current income is right now. 
In fact, we are some of the wealthiest people to ever walk the face of the earth. I'm not saying this to make any of us feel guilty. I'm just saying this to help us realize the grace and the blessing of God that is on us. We are some of the most blessed people in all the world, but here's the danger with that blessing. We are prone to disconnect God's blessing in our lives from God's purpose for our lives. Listen, our hearts resonate with the idea of grace. And for good reason. Man, we, we relish listening to sermons and singing songs that exalt grace. But oftentimes, it's a grace that is purely centered on me. And while, we, and while the wonder of grace is certainly worthy of our attention, worthy of our individual attention, listen, if it is disconnected from its purpose. The sad result is a focus on self rather than a focus on Christ, and this misses the whole purpose of God. As David Platt writes in his book, Radical, which I encourage everyone to read that book, by the way. It's named Radical by David Platt. I quote, he, he says this, If you ask the average person sitting in the church pew, what is the message of Christ? The answer will be, God loves me. But that's not Christianity. Not that it's not true, but it's just incomplete. The object of that kind of thinking is me. When I make plans for my life and my career, I think about what is best for me. I choose the house to live in, the car to drive, the clothes to wear, and the way to live that's best for me. This version of Christianity prevails in our day, but it is incomplete. And Psalm 67 here confronts us with that. It's showing us that the message of Christianity, that the purpose of God's blessing in our lives is God loves me so that. We must always remember that God is the end goal in all of this. And you may be thinking, does God have an ulterior motive in blessing me? Yes. Yes, he does. God blesses you for a purpose beyond yourself. God lives to exalt himself. And if that rubs you the wrong way, then ask yourself, who else would you have God exalt? Who here of us should be exalted above God? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying God doesn't love us deeply and passionately. He does. He proved that love with the giving of His Son and His Son's death on the cross. This is the beauty of the Gospel. God glorifies Himself by making His salvation known to us. God glorifies Himself by saving us by the sacrifice of His Son on the cross. God glorifies Himself by showering us with His blessings and grace. And that grace has a purpose. It is to bring glory to God. So what does all this mean then? It simply means that we must come to the realization as Christ followers that the blessing of God does not center on me. Instead, the blessing of God, it is intended to spread through me to all peoples. Both here, in this community, where you live, where you work, where you play, and beyond all around the world.
God has given us the gospel for a reason. And that reason is so that all peoples may know the gospel. And God has given us material blessings in this world for a purpose that goes way beyond our own personal comfort and happiness. God has given us wealth in this world for the spread of His worship in this world. Listen, all of God's spiritual and material blessings ultimately center on Him and not us. This is huge. It should be life-changing. The danger here is, and folks, listen, I'm, this is a danger for me as well. We are all in this boat together. The danger is we are prone to disconnect God's blessings in our lives from God's purpose for our lives when the two go together. Which brings us then to one question, one very important question. What happens if we fail to connect God's blessings in our lives to God's purpose for our lives? Or we could ask the question this way. What happens if we don't use God's blessings for His purpose? What if we don't use God's blessings for the sake of His praise among all peoples? Remember, God promises blessings to his people because he wants us to be a blessing to all peoples. Therefore, we should pray for God's blessings on ourselves and on our church. That is right. But we pray that for the sake of all peoples, not just for the sake of Glenwood or for the sake of Bruce Adrian. In fact, this psalm is teaching us Get this, this is amazing. This is mind-boggling. This psalm is teaching us, actually, how to pray personally for God's blessings and yet selflessly at the same time. The psalmist prayed for the blessings of God, but he was not just thinking about himself. He was thinking about his family, his people, and even all the peoples all over the earth. The psalmist prayed personally and selflessly at the same time, and his example confronts us with the fact that we should not be seeking God's blessings primarily for our benefit. So what happens then if we, if we fail to connect God's blessings in our lives to God's purpose for our lives. Mark it down. God bless, blesses us so that we might be a blessing to others. And if we fail with that, listen, God will stop sending blessings to you if he cannot send blessings through you. Here's another way to think about this. When, when will God most likely bless us? As individuals and as a church. Based on this psalm, I would put forth that God will most likely bless us when we are being a blessing with our lives and with the resources of this church. In other words, if God blesses his people for the sake of all peoples, then God is most likely to bless us when we are praying to God to be a blessing and then pouring our lives out as a blessing. John Piper, if you don't mind me quoting him again, puts it like this. If God wants his goods to get to the nations, then he will fill the truck that's driving toward the nations. 
He will bless the church that's pouring itself out for all peoples of the world. And this blessing is not payment for a service rendered. It's power and joy for a mission to accomplish. And so the psalmist prayed. Yes, he prayed for personal blessings, but with a selfless intention. He wanted to be blessed so that all peoples might know God, praise God, and fear God. You say, well, what does this mean for your life? What does this mean for our church? After all, this psalm is not just for information, as in, please do not walk out of here saying, oh, wow, that was a really nice message, sermon Bruce preached. Oh, no. This psalm, listen, it is meant for transformation. In our life and in the life of our church. As in, oh, this truth changes everything. So what does this mean for us? Let me, let me end with three things here. Number one, it means this. This prayer must cry out from our hearts. This is a prayer we must pray for our families, in our lives, in our church. This prayer can be as simple as praying, Lord, bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. It can be that simple of a prayer. I would challenge you in this 40 days of prayer, and even for the rest of your life, to pray this prayer, Psalm 67, that way. Lord, bless me so that I may be a blessing to others. And the blessing to others isn't just to pat them on the back. It's not just to say, you know, oh, bless you. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's the purpose is God-centered. Lord, bless me so that I can bless others so that those others that I'm blessing may what? Know you, praise you, and fear you. It's gospel-centered. Or you can pray something like this. Oh God, grant me grace, blessing, favor, and use me. Use my family. Use my resources. Use my church so that all peoples may know you, praise you, and fear you. Pray it any way you want. This prayer, however you pray it, must cry out from our hearts. Number two, this purpose must captivate our lives. It must captivate our lives. Why? Because the time is short and the need is urgent. Listen, we don't have time to play games with God's grace and with God's gospel. We don't have time to sit back and soak in blessings that center just on us. God has given us so much in terms of the gospel, has he not? And in terms of our lives and our resources... Listen, God has given us everything we have. Everything you have for one purpose and one purpose only. To make Him known to your family, to your neighbors, to your co-workers, and even to all peoples all over the world. So let's connect God's blessings in our lives to God's purpose for our lives and for our church. Remember, when this purpose captivates your life, then the blessings of God will follow in your life. Why? Because God wants to be known, praised, and feared among all peoples, and He will bless those who are aligned with what He wants. Number three, this promise must compel us to stand in the gap. Oh, church, God will exalt Himself with us or without us. With you or without you. With me or without me. God will exalt himself and he will bless his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. And just think though, to that end, for that purpose, God 
The Creator has chosen to involve us in His grand, glorious, and global purpose. So let's not miss out on it. Let's not settle for lesser dreams in this world and, and settle for lesser purposes for our lives. Listen, we've been created. You have been saved and blessed by God for the greatest purpose in all the world. And God promises, get this, stay with me, one more minute, two minutes here and I'll be done. God promises, listen to this, He promises that a day is coming when that purpose will be fulfilled. You say, what purpose? The purpose we've been talking about in Psalm 67. The purpose that all peoples of the world will praise Him. Let me read it to you. You find it at the back of the book. The end of the story. At least here in history's story. On earth. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10, it says this. The Apostle John writes... After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That day is coming. So let's live for that day. Let's stand in the gap for that day when we will join with all peoples and give our God the praise He is due. And God wants to use us to achieve that purpose on that day. That's the mission He's given to me, given to you, and given to this church. God has richly blessed you. He has blessed me, and He has blessed our church. And we have to be proactive in using His blessings to be a blessing, both as individuals and corporately as a church. Or God will stop sending His blessings if He cannot send them through us to all the peoples for the praise of His name. Let's pray. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Our response is really pretty simple. It's, it's really to pray this psalm right where you're seated. You as an individual, it can be as simple as, Lord, forgive me for disconnecting your blessings with your purpose in my life. And God, give me the grace and recommit yourself from this day forward. Man, I want you to bless me so that I can be a blessing for your glory. Use my life in that way. Use my family. Use this church. That's the prayer. That's the response. Zach and the praise team are going to sing a chorus, and as they do, will you join in prayer in that way?